Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Dismantling You podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Pineda. In this episode, I interview Michelle Wispelway. She is the co-founder of Femgevity, a digital telehealth platform for women. Michelle's on a mission to extend women's health spans and prevent the side effects of menopause from holding them back and enjoying their golden years. In other news, if you haven't heard, my annual yoga, surf, and golf relax retreat in Costa Rica is on for January 9th through the 15th in 2024. So head on over to my website and reserve your spot now. Stay tuned for my conversation with Michelle. So I've actually been in women's health my entire career. I've been in diagnostic clinical laboratory industry. I worked with molecular genetics and cytology. Um, I actually most recently was director of women's health at a Northeast regional lab. I've worked at some of the national labs as well. And I've just always had a passion for working in healthcare where there's gaps for women and areas that really need to be honed in on. Um, you know, healthcare and the science around genetics and molecular and genomic testing has always really fascinated me. You know, the business of menopause is booming. And as long as every woman on this planet um, at some point will get there, it's it's such an amazing um, time to be in this industry, especially since, um, you know, we aren't addressing some of the more important topics nowadays. Um, talk to us about some of the deficits that you see in women's healthcare, especially in middle age. So one of the biggest deficits that we saw and what led my um, partner and I, who's the other co-founder of Femgevity, come into birth, you know, this company was menopause, right? It's one of the only, one of the only ailments in life that every single woman is going to experience unless of course she's deceased prior, Mm -hmm. just like having a period. So there's really two things that every single person is going to touch. And this is actually, you know, could last from seven to 14 years. And what we really found is there's been no education around it. There hasn't been proper treatment. It's been mishandled. It's been misrepresented and there needed to be more innovative solutions to really redefine aging and how it's handled and also understand the longevity aspect of hormone balancing and menopause management to extend your lifespan. Um, and just how to be preventative and live healthier and prevent disease before you get there. Exactly. And and like you had mentioned, we don't see a lot of people um, specializing in this. And so why is it really important, um, not only for um, in women's health, but finding someone who really understands menopause and can tailor to that specific individual's needs? So it's important to have a specialist, right? So you go to your endocrinologist yes. for, you know, various, you know, your, your thyroid and that type of system. You go to the neurologist for when you're having brain issues. And the issue is 
that OBGYNs are expected to be, to deliver your baby, to know everything about your baby, to know everything after you deliver the baby, to be your gynecologist for your pap smears and any, you know, vaginal issues, STDs, breast cancer, they can't be everything. And our healthcare system doesn't actually allow it or even afford for it. So the one aspect is that in medical school, menopause is actually is an elective. So Mm -hmm. it's never been a carved out um, area where every physician is educated and trained on. It's something that you really have to seek out. Um, And the, the other aspect of it is that there's not CPT codes and there's not, the insurance company doesn't cover one, the appointments, they don't cover to the, the hormones. It's, it's really important to have a specialist because this is exactly what we do. We eat, live and breathe hormones. And with your progesterone, your estrogen, your DHEA, your testosterone, your, um, you you know, it, it also ties in with your thyroids and it's, important to just hone on in on one aspect and to be able to refer out to a specialist that just deals with this. We're not taking over, you know, your generalist to be your internist or your GYN. We are a subsector of, of your health plan for you. What I love about Femgevity is that it's like on the cutting edge of all this technology that's out there. So talk us through how it works when a woman reaches out? So what we do is the first thing is they book a, an online, the, an appointment on our portal and it brings them through the booking process. They do have to fill out a very in-depth questionnaire form so we can get very granular and analytical with your family history, what, you know, right down to when you had your mammogram, your pap, how many babies you've had, everything that's where things really differentiates us as being clinical founders is because we dive deeper clinically in that aspect. And what we do is they have a 50 minute consultation with our nurse practitioner. And that's where you go over everything on your health questionnaire, your symptoms, how you're feeling, what's been going on. Cause a lot of times this isn't just something that popped up within the past two weeks for a woman. They've been, been feeling debilitated by various symptoms for some time now. Um, and then we actually have sent, we make sure every patient gets a full comprehensive hormone panel. We have a very in-depth panel and we use that laboratory analytical data with your symptoms to create a personalized treatment plan. And we bring that back to the patient after all their lab results have come back and we go over it with them. And, you know, some patients may not be comfortable. So we really dive into, um, a customized plan on what the patient is comfortable with and what the provider is comfortable with to come together and, and form one, one big, um, you know, one big 180 view of what we see on their health outcomes at, at, at the end. And, um, and it takes, you know, it takes, it's a journey, right? Hormone balancing and menopause management isn't a one-time fix. So it is a a monthly journey for a while. And we do, you do need to tweak things um, and add things to the treatment plan or take things off of the treatment plan. 
Exactly. It's not one size fits all. So exactly. that being said, you know, how does testing patients on their individual level promote better health? And how do you see this impacting healthcare in the future? Yeah. So every person's body composition and their DNA is made up differently, right? Even from within your own family members. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so important on everyone to have their, their labs, their estrogen, their progesterone, their DHEA, their cortisol, their insulin, their lipids are very important. And we do a very comprehensive uh, lipid panel because a lot of women during menopausal years, they do develop heart disease. If their symptoms have gone untreated for a while, a drop in um, estrogen can create some heart disease issues and hyperlipidemia. And it's very important to have those individual values and not just slapping an estrogen patch on everyone based on what their symptoms are. And really what our, our, our goal is to really, um, in our next phase is to develop an R and D vertical where we're going to be able to create predictive analytics for patients based on menopause symptoms. So we're collecting enough data where we're seeing sub subsectors and cohorts of women, whether it's um, Asian women, African American, just you know Italian, and we're able to see based on age and demographics on how their part on their menopause symptoms. Maybe this section, this cohort has more joint pain, hair loss, insomnia, and from there we're going to be able to kind of start creating and, and gearing towards like genetic markers mm -hmm. for how people are going to develop health, health, um, health ailment ailments through menopause and perimenopausal years with their symptoms. And with that, that's when you're going to really appreciate with preventative medicine and longevity medicine come into place. And I think more people by then will start understanding that it's, you know, the American culture, the healthcare system has been about treating when we have disease and it needs to be about treating before we get disease. And the biggest issue with me being in the laboratory industry my entire career is that there's these values and everyone is so used to being like, oh, my doctor said my labs look okay. Yeah. That is not the case. Yeah. Just because they're within normal range is not what your optimal range is. And that's not what your optimal range is to prevent diabetes. That's what you are now. And you may get to diabetes because of that, but this is what your level should be. So you don't get to that. And that's just been like such a dearth in our healthcare industry. And we were really passionate about creating this gap in, and filling this um, taboo for women's health. And it starts with menopause and, but it's going to go so much further down the line that we're really going to bring it. So. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> so, you know, given that I'm um, at midlife, I'd love to hear, um, you know, your expertise on what are some of the most important things a woman can do in her forties, then fifties, and even increase her lifespan. So yeah, that's a great question. And truthfully, I'm just going to talk on things I do and which, cause I do these things on to create my life, to elongate my lifespan and I'm 42 and, you know, the best thing that you could do to, for your legacy of your children and your family and the love for yourself and everything around you is just, you have to be cognizant and intentional. Um, someone once told me just like, just be intentional in everything you do. So it's intentional to drink 
extra water. It's intentional to work out certain days of the week. It's intentional to actually get testing and know, you know, what your levels are. Like I know what my cholesterol levels are. I know what my hormone levels are. I just got a, a you know, a gut microbiome and I know not all these things are accessible to everybody because they do come with a cost. Mm-hmm. But I think also being mindful to yourself and taking time out and being able to um, stay in the moment as well is also longevity and and helping your lifespan. It's not just about working out, but it's about getting outside. It's about doing things that make you happy um, and being grateful. And I think it's also a matter, one of the best things I recommend is having a gratitude journal. Um, my, myself and my founder, we make it very intentional to write in our gratitude journals every day. And it could be something as silly. Like I'm grateful that I had an Oreo cookie today and that's okay. So, you know, I know this is a long winded answer, but I think there, it's not just down to, you know, making sure you burn 500 calories, but it's mental and physical and being aware of what's around you. Because I think I spent so much of my twenties and even thirties worrying about what's next. Yes. And I, and I think it's, if I could help someone to stay in the moment and just focus on the now and somehow things just work out when you're not worrying so much and kind of like insistence is a form. So what exercises are most beneficial for the different aspects of longevity, including heart disease reduction, metabolic disease, uh, metabolic disease, diabetes reduction, lowering cancer risk, and preventing bone loss? Yes. So another great question. One of the, the zone, you really want to stay in zone two and four and five, right? So that middle zone of like three is kind of a garbage zone, what we say. Mm -hmm. And because you need um, at least two days a week, you need 45 minutes of zone two. And we follow a lot of what Peter Atia says. Mm -hmm. Um, He's absolutely amazing, brilliant Mm -hmm. general surgeon. Yeah. Um, He's well-renowned and, you know, his book Outlive is just amazing. It's like a you know, a medicine Bible among longevity, but, um, we really follow what he says. And since I started doing it, I do see a difference in myself too. So you really need to get your like VO two max and your cardiovascular up. And then, but you also need to supplement it with at least two days a week of a zone two, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, you should wear a heart monitor for that to, to know, or, or an aura ring. Um, and then, it's very important for women and, you know, forties, fifties, sixties to make sure they're lifting weights a few times a week, because that's going to prevent bone loss and osteoporosis. And that's just, that's just so, that's so important. Um, and you know, it's, it's really important to have like a CGM and what that's one of the tricks that I do is I wear a CGM and I monitor my, my glucose spike during certain workouts, because if it's going too high, my glucose and I know I'm not burning, I'm burning, you know, I'm not burning fat. Right. And you mm-hmm. want to stay in that fat burning zone. Um, one of the other things that I do recommend if you could get into an infrared sauna mm. does wonders. Yeah. We, um, 
got a, we have an infrared sauna and just like you get small ones or even if there's places, a lot of them are popping up now. Yes. It's just another trend. It's all the craze. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's all the craze, but it helps your blood pressure immensely. Um, just your collagen, your stress levels, yes. um, just it, it detoxification. It really does help um, even like cortisol as well. And with like menopausal symptoms and joint pain and it just, you know, list goes on. It just penetrates deeper within the muscles than just a regular sauna that you're just, you know, pouring the water on with the steam and the rocks. So um, yeah, those are like, I, I would say those are my biggest um, recommendations for which is exercise and, and what, where, where you should be at to really get optimal. And, you know, one of the other things is you have access to is IV therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that this is depending to, if you could get some nutrigenomic testing and find out where your minerals and your antioxidant levels are, mm-hmm. but, um, they're really great for hydration, mm-hmm. um, even vitamin C drips. Uh, I'm a really big fan of those and glutathione, um, every now and then. Good to know. How can menopause catapult a woman into a longer life? Because the perception was always like, oh no, that was like the dreaded, you know, upcoming milestone. Yeah. So, so menopause, um, it's interesting because, you know, they talk about the birds and the bees in school, but they never talk about menopause, right? Work, work, in the workforce, there's pregnancy benefits and all these, you know, wellness solutions for not, and that's only nine months. Right. But menopause is seven to 14 years. And depending how you go through it can, you know, really, uh, really lead you into pretty much some serious health ailments. And I think you need to look at menopause as a rebirth and redefining who you are. And that can, that is really what's going to catapult you into a new mindset of, of aging stronger mentally and physically and beautifully too. Um, and, and, and you need, and you can't do it with just getting through it. When you're, when a woman's body, you've had hormones, your entire body, I mean, your entire life, you've had your estrogen, your progesterone, a woman's body is primarily com- composed of testosterone, just like smaller amounts than men. And when those deplete, that's when things start breaking down. So you need that to replenish yourself to your, for your bones to stay younger, for your cells to, you know, to repair themselves. And, you know, especially for neurocognitive disease, you need those, um, you know, your neuro cells not to die and to, to stay, you know, inflated, um, for blood flow. And I I think that's just really how we need to catapult ourselves into knowing that there is innovation, there's solutions, there's treatments, there is a path to get through this, to help us live longer. Yeah. So good. What diet is best for longevity? So, you know, there's not one diet, right? There's not one diet for everybody. Everything, everyone has different, like I said, body compositions, right? So, 
I may be good for grains and, and low protein and just fish. And to really understand like, what is the best diet for you is the best thing to do is a um, nutrigenomic test to actually really see how your body and DNA metabolizes food. And, you know, until, uh, and if you can't do that, if you don't do it and, you know, not everyone believes in it or affords it and that's fine. But I think you just really have to know how your body responds to dairies and gluten and processed foods. You know, I I think, you know, things like soy and and, and white sugars and, you know, and, and white bread, those are obviously the obvious that you have to stay away from. And I'm not a nutritionist, so it's hard for me to really hone in and actually say that. But what I am confident on is that there's no one diet for everybody, right? It's not the keto for everybody or, you know, mushroom chocolate for everybody. It's, it's really, it it varies by person by person. Exactly. So Michelle, I'd love to ask all my guests a list of certain questions. And the first one is what does self-care mean to you? Good question. So self-care to me, I think is about being aware of your surroundings and it's not just about how you treat yourself, but it's how you treat others and make others feel. Um, and so my envision of well-being would really just be not just caring for myself, but being aware of others, how I make them feel. I think well-being has a lot to do with being vulnerable. I think there's a lot of shame to really put yourself out there and let people know about flaws, weaknesses. And, you know, I, I too have, have been there and it's taken me a lot to figure out like who, how I want to be and, and, and carry myself and, and being intentional and I, I just think until of with vulnerability, it's hard for them to really understand what well-being is. But I think that you need mentally to be around, to be aware of everything and how it makes you feel to really have a full sense of well-being. It's not just you know, your well-being about, you know, exercising and, and what you eat and going on vacations. But I think it's more mentally yes. and the physical surroundings. in. Exactly. So as you know, Michelle, my podcast is based on dismantling beliefs and thought patterns. What ideas or concepts have dismantled your belief system? And what was this awakening like for you? Wow. That's a good question. Thank you. So, you know, I think that, you know, I I grew up in a very non-religious family (laughs) and uh, I grew up with divorced parents. I, um, the man I I married grew up like very religious. So Mm -hmm. it was like a learning curve for me. And I thought that was kind of like the end all. And that's what really you needed to, you needed religion. Like that was the only type of religion. 
And then I think what over time, as I've matured and grown older and had kids and are, you know, years have gone on and on as we have been married, I think I've realized that there's different types of belief systems mm. and it it's not just religious yes. and there's moral code. And I think I've uncovered that where I think a lot of people put certain people on, on pedestals Mm -hmm. and idolize Mm -hmm. and and it's, it's an interesting concept. And I think that's where really like my, you know, my belief system has come in and, and it's unraveled to actually see that it's not just, you know, reading a Bible or whatever your, your actual God is, but it's actually things of your moral code. And that's your true belief system. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So good. What does prayer mean to you? So, um, just filled with good questions. Prayer is not, you know, I don't see prayer as getting on your knees and that's just it. Prayer to me, honestly, is writing in my gratitude journal. Um, when I can, you know, some days it's every day, some days it's every other day, some weeks it's two days a week, you know, depending what the week is, but it's really taking note of the small and the big things that are in my life and the things that I appreciate. I'm grateful for the small moments that you take for granted of, you know, being able to run across the street with your kids or, you know, just silly things. Um, eating, you know, a a bad meal and being able to bounce back from it. Um, Prayer is just knowing what your desires are and knowing what your goals are. And those are prayers to me is just being very mindful of what has gone on that day and what I'm thankful for. Beautiful. If there was one thing you wanted people to take away from this conversation today, what would it be? I think the one thing that I've been very um, in tune with is, especially women, I want women to be vulnerable. I want them to not be shameful for the way they feel, the way they look. I want um, people to really have their confidence and be comfortable with who they are and what their beliefs are and understanding that there is no right and wrong with opinions. And, um, you know, even when you go right back down to like being treated for menopause and and filling in women's gap is there's, there's, if you, if you have to trust in your gut and yourself. Yeah. So good. What is the best way to get in touch with you and your preferred social media? Um, our handle on, um, TikTok is at Femgevity, Instagram, Femgevity Health. Uh, we are on, um, LinkedIn. We are on Facebook. Um, our website is femgevityhealth.com and we have live chat on our website as well. Perfect. I'll be sure to include all of the information in the show notes. Thank you so much, Michelle, for coming on my show and, all you do in helping women navigate menopause. Thank you so much for having me. It's been wonderful.
Thank you so much for listening. You know, it's these mindset shifts that truly make a difference. If you like this podcast, share it with someone and be sure to leave a review. Till next time, here's to dismantling you.